0: Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
1: And so I really did. I enjoyed what I was doing at the time. And for me, live shows is everything. It's the payoff. It's the reason I write. It's the reason I do this is all for the live show. And so when COVID hit and all that stopped and all I had left was sitting with this music that I'd created, it was just this like, dark and sad internal time for me of loss of identity I didn't know who I was I was listening to the music and they were great songs I wrote them with incredible people but I just didn't feel like I had my heart and soul in them as much it was a really tough time and so with this new direction it was very much so a recommitment to myself and my identity and really just saying screw everything else and everyone else let me just make what I want to make and and the art that I want to create and so
0: Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to upcoming superstar Gunner. He shares the candid story of how his new album, Best Mistake, saved him from nearly quitting his passion for writing music and performing live grab your earplugs for rock's next big thing i am here with gunner and we're going to talk about his incredible new album best mistake that's coming out later this week i've been fortunate enough to get to hear it already and i can tell you it's going to blow people away this is a star in the making gunner i'm so pumped to have you here today man how are you doing
1: i'm good thank you what a uh... On an intro, this is the first first time I've heard the album name from someone else's mouth, so it's it's cool man. Oh. I'm excited to be here and and talk about it. Man, it means a lot. I mean, we chatted a, a little bit before we we started this thing just in, and you said how many how many concerts you've been to, how many shows you've seen, how much music you probably heard. So the fact that you say that, it I mean that that, that really means a lot.
0: Oh, man. Well, the honor is all mine, man, to get to hear your stuff early was uh, it was a real treat so uh but uh before we get into the conversation about the album let's do a couple icebreakers just to have a little fun and get to know each other Bring it. so you started playing guitar at seven mm. what's your advice for young kids that are just getting started on the instrument
1: oh that's such a good question i would say my advice would literally just be play as much as you can like i got in this weird place of where i learned how to like I learned how to solo and play like certain scales and then I was just kind of stuck there and I didn't know how to get outside of this like box that I was in and what it came down to was just like picking up song hearing songs and hearing hearing like guitar solos that you like and be like I'm just gonna learn that and you just YouTube like how mm-hmm. to play you know this solo from this song and learn it and then you start to realize like the connections between different boxes in your hands and um and you kind of can put things together and realize you can play things different ways so yeah, it's just about finding the love in, in learning other people's stuff and then taking that and making it your own. So
0: finding the love in other people's stuff, what's a concert that you saw that really transcended for you into your passion for performing live?
1: <sighs> okay. Back in the day, a concert that like really blew me away is this artist an artist named Corey Harper, believe it or not. It's just, it's this, uh, he's actually a buddy of mine now, which is really cool. But he played this acoustic set here in LA and man, it blew me away to see the connection and the feelings and emotions in a room because of just one man and a guitar. It was so cool. Mm. And, uh, that was really the moment I'd been, I'd been making music and into music. But when I saw that show, it really was like, that was when I was like, I really need to commit my life to doing this. Cause that was fucking incredible.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's so cool. So I know, uh, next question. I know you're a big nineties alternative rock fan. So, uh, who do you feel is an underrated band or artist from that decade?
1: Underrated is tough because any anyone I say is going to sound like I, I I don't even know if any of them are underrated. Uh, how
0: about how about this? I'll tell you who I think is underrated, and okay. everybody can golf and make fun of me. Okay, I think Soundgarden is incredibly underrated in the grand scale of things. See? I think they don't get anywhere near the justice they deserve compared to Pearl Jam or Nirvana. Think they are i think they are the most under not the most but one of the most underrated bands of the decade
1: i wouldn't have said that they were underrated so that makes perfect sense i, I mean I, I actually i agree with what you said um i don't know man i'm i'm, I'm scrolling through some of my songs right now to see like what is what
0: well, do you want to throw some shade and say who's overrated then would that be better would that be easier
1: overrated i'm not a huge i'm not a huge scorpions fan okay um, i'm not a huge i mean i i'm not a huge like super punk metal like just i like kind mm-hmm. of more classic rock stuff so like i respect and i love and i understand like the rage against the machine and 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 you know but mm-hmm. not necessarily my kind of music that's what i'll say
0: okay there we go yeah this, hey, it's hey it's your opinion man okay. you're fully entitled to it that's all that matters <laughs> Okay, so last question. We'll jump into the conversation. We've got a time machine. I've built a time machine. I don't know if you know this or not, but you get to go back to another decade where you're just a music icon. What decade are you choosing?
1: I'm choosing the 80s for sure.
0: Okay. You want to go for the decadence then?
1: Yeah, because I think late 80s, early 90s maybe, I think it would have been a perfect time for like I really like what I, I really like what Nine Inch Nails did actually in the way of like taking mm-hmm. what was being done but adding a new element. Like when production started to, to kind of take its next steps and and these sounds and these these like eight and these, these just these crazy sounds that were added um, that no one had ever heard. That to me is like what I'm almost trying to do today in a weird way. Is like taking what people know at its core of like really good classic timeless rock and try to put modern and fresh elements on it and make it sound mm. like a record that's, you know, t- from tomorrow. So I don't know. I think it would be, I think that that little window would be a good time of coming into that.
0: You saying that like that hits on like three or four things that I want to talk about with your album that I picked up on. Oh, okay. So I, I think to go like, again, I really want to do it. It's a really great album. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm pumped for the world to get to hear it. Cause I know I've seen your like social media, people are clamoring for it. They're really excited about it. So I just want to go ahead and put it out there that they're going to love it. But your new album is a pretty sharp directional change from your previous work. Oh yeah. So is, are you abandoning the previous style or what brought about the change?
1: No, the the previous style is in the past for me. I think, I think what it comes down to is growing up. You know, I, I originally kind of signed a deal when I was 16 and, and it was, you know, I was thrown into what everyone wanted and thought that I, that I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're young and you're in it, you just kind of, that's what's that's what you're doing. I, I I didn't have enough of a of like a self identity to say I don't like this, you know. And mm. and so I really did. I enjoyed what I was doing at the time. And for me, live shows is everything. It's like the it's the payoff. It's the it's the reason I write. It's the reason I do this. is is all for the live show. And so when COVID hit and all that stopped, and all I had left was sitting with this music that I'd created. It was just this like really like dark and sad internal time for me of, of like loss of identity. I didn't know who I was. I was listening to the music and they were great songs. I wrote them with incredible people, but I just didn't feel like I had my heart and soul in them as much. And it was really, it was really tough, man. I, I like, it was a really tough time. And so with this new direction, it was very much. So a recommitment to myself and my identity and, and really just saying, screw everything else and everyone else let me just make what i want to make and
2: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
1: And the art that I want to create. And so, yeah, with that being said, the music, the album that's coming is is kind of that that first project of me just... Me just doing what I want to do and committing to who I am. And and so yeah, everything in the past is, you know, it holds value. I remember it. I love it for what it was. But but yes, I would anyone listening, I would very highly encourage to listen to the new stuff and and wait for wait for the next project.
0: Well, so I mean, did you do you feel that you are being inauthentic with the old stuff? Or is it just more you're coming out of your teens and into your twenties? And you're just kind of, it's a big life change really and truly. Is that more the root
1: of it? Yes. It's not, it's not like, it's not, it's not that it was inauthentic because never was I doing it and feeling like it wasn't, wasn't right. It's just, you know, yeah, you grow up and then you look at things you did when you're, you know, younger and you're like, why did I do that? That's, it's more so in the sense of like, yeah, I just grew up and really discovered myself as a human being. And with that obviously comes. Music and and culture and other things that that I find love and passion for and and when I discovered a lot more of myself and I grew up, I just I, I learned that what I'd been doing isn't necessarily what I wanted to continue doing.
0: So, what were some of those revelations that you had about who you are that really sh- made this dynamic shift?
1: I just really struggled, man. I really struggled growing up caring too much about what other people think and what other people, you know, well, what what opinions were, were being had and said. And it was a really tough thing for me to get over and like figure out how do I leave that behind and really create music that, that is for me. And that's a hard thing because when you go from writing a song that, you know, if it gets released depends on if a majority of, of the people on your team or your friends, like if the majority of the people like it, then it's going to come out. If not many people like it, it's not. And so, you know, switching to to a project and a direction and almost like a self-confidence in what I'm doing to where it, no opinion matters. You know, if I played it for 100 people and 99 didn't like it, but I did, and I thought it was one that needed to be out in the world, then it would be out in the world. And that's just a hard transition. And so with that, like, I felt myself kind of grow up a lot, mature a lot, you know, in, in not a tacky way. I, like, really feel like I, I became you know, from a boy to a man in a, in a really cool way. I mean, how
0: much of that do you think was the pandemic? Because, I mean, that's when a lot of this happened for you. Do you think it was you were getting off the stage, out away from people and into isolation? Do you think that was kind of the root cause of it?
1: Honestly, man, n- not really. Like COVID, it really didn't, it wasn't until the end of COVID when this really all, it was like just over a year ago, a year and a half ago now where like this all happened. Because during COVID, it was just like, no one knew what was happening, obviously. I was like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it was not It was supposed to last, what, two weeks, then two months, then a couple. Yeah. So it was after the, at least the full first year of COVID where I was like, all right, this is getting, this is crazy. I thought live shows would be back by now. They're not. Now I'm listening to the music. And there was like, I mean, really honest, honestly, there was like a, a four to six month period in 2020 where I was like, I almost quit. I was like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know what I want to do anymore. So yeah, I mean, it, COVID definitely was the, was a really big kickstarter into why this whole transition happened, but it wasn't until like COVID was kind of ending where I was, I really kind of found, refound the passion for what I was doing and what I wanted to do.
0: What was it about listening to music and being away from it that made you want to quit? What was so rough about that period?
1: Just, you know, I, we obviously had plans, my team and I, and, you know, at the time the people I was signed with, there were plans of when I you know what the next two years were going to look like right and Mm -hmm. when that amount of time goes by and and things don't happen right and and you know that's just that's kind of the name of the game is is things never go as expected and so when that happens what do you have to fall back on you know you have you have artistry you have talent you have all these all these things that really keep you sane when other everything else is trying to pull you off the tracks when, when I didn't have that artistry and that identity to back it up, it just, I fell flat. I felt, I, I just felt completely empty with what I had created. It, it was, hmm. it was tough. It was a really dark time.
0: That's really heartbreaking to imagine, to be an artist and look at your, your body at work and say, I, I don't identify with that anymore. That, that had to be pretty, pretty rough, man. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, Again, I love those songs for what they, you know, when I made them, I loved them. I still, they still hold so much value today, right? Like it's the past and and it's a part of my identity for sure. But, and not saying, not saying like the songs were bad, they're great songs. It just was, you know, what I wanted to say and put into the world had changed.
0: What brought you out of that kind of funk? What was the kind of savior that reignited this love for music and everything for you?
1: It was a random meeting one of my buddies who, who now kind of co-manages me was, you know, they, they, his company had moved into this new office and they had a golf simulator in their office. And so it was, you know, I had nothing going on during my days. I was like begging for things to do. And so he was like, oh, come, come check out our new office. You know, we're play, we'll play a little golf on the golf simulator. I was like, great. I went over to the office and, and the head of their company, this guy, Neil Jacobson, who who ran Interscope for a while, he just ended up wanting to sit down and talk and play. I played him some music and it was just, you know, it was, it was the same thing. It was like, this is great music, man. This is great, but mm-hmm. I can feel it and I can see it, you know, tell me, why don't you play me something that, that excites you? So I played him this song that, that I wrote in Nashville, like a couple years back. And I think he could tell when I played that, that I lit up in a different way. And so he kind of just, it was really, it was It's crazy because as hard of a time as it was, this was all that it took for me to kind of take the next step was him saying, don't go work with the best producer and the biggest writer. It's like, go work with your friends and go make something that you want to make and show me. That was it. And so I went that day, called one of my buddies up, this guy Ryan DeLude, and we went into the studio and I just, for the first time in my life, man, I really, it wasn't about Spotify or radio or what's going to. What are people going to like or react to it? was like, I just want to write something that, that I enjoy and that I really connect with and that comes from me. And so we wrote a song called Keep You Around. It was the first song we wrote. It's on the album. And that was, the I mean, that was really it. That the feeling I got after that day changed the course of, you know, probably the rest of my life.
0: So did you have a lot of the songs for Best Mistake already written or did they come after this? What? How did that come about?
1: That was the first session. Literally, I went from that meeting from from me being encouraged to just go write what I want to write, and I went and I wrote that song and came back the next day. Played it for my buddy and Neil and and you know we all just were like pretty excited and pretty I don't know. I think it was unexpected that that from hearing the old stuff to like hearing what the first song of from me would would really sound like. I think it was a exciting um, kind of surprise, and so I ended up just writing as much as i ever have as much as i as much as i could i got in with just all my friends and all people that i love to work with and just hang out with and we wrote probably like 40 songs over a couple wow. of months maybe two or three months we wrote 40 songs and i was really like during that time was when i really was discovering this identity and and who i was because i was getting to express myself and create stuff that was coming from inside of my heart and my soul and my head and like with that my identity you know and and I could look in the mirror and know who I was for the first time uh that really started to come out and so after a couple of months we had this collection of music and didn't really know what to do with it and what the plan was and we didn't know what what direction anything was even going to be you know like it just was I was just writing what I wanted to write and so yeah we had about 40 demos and you know I I sat down with my internal team and we really just talked about it all. And I picked our, our, my favorite songs, my favorite 10 songs and ended up really, really luckily cl- connecting with Brennan O'Brien <clears throat> who is a legendary rock producer. Um, you know, I, it was supposed to just be a meeting where I just, you know, I just wanted to meet him and, and play him some demos and see what he thought about maybe the next steps and what I should do. And yeah, I think he really connected with the music and connected with, with, with me and him and I kind of built a really good relationship and he wanted to come in and produce the album with me. So I was really honored and thankful. And we created this, you know, collection of music that I'm really excited about.
0: Let's. I mean, I do, I didn't want to talk about Brendan too much, but like, I, I really do want to come in, like the production value on your album is spectacular. Like there's, there's so much intricacy and engineering behind all of the songs that just really elevate what you've already written. And so, I mean, I, I did want to like make note of like how much of, that was like conscious, did you work with him on that, or was that all him
1: oh yeah no it's it was a very very much so a tedious time consuming you know him and i we had another another producer, Adam Friedman, who brendan you know knew really well, who's a great young producer. he came in and and it was really just a really special thing we We cut the record obviously with just guitars and you know live drums that were just fillers we made sure we got the vocals and and the actual attitude of the performance as as good as we could have gotten it which which we really accomplished brendan is amazing at what he does and him and i really compliment each other in that regard and then and then it was time for just layering guitars and bass and figuring out cool synth sounds and whatnot and that was where that's where you really see brendan do what he does you know his his ability to create moments, whether it's with a guitar or a melodic change, like he's just so incredible. He's done it for for so long with so many, you know, idols of mine that it was just really cool, man. And, and you know, he's such a young soul and I'm a little bit more of an old soul. And we just, we kind of had this really sweet connection. And once the tracks were done and all the, you know, the instruments were laid down, we brought in, like I said, this guy, Adam Friedman, and he... Him and I and Brendan really took the classic rock thing that Brendan and I created and helped it make that transition into kind of a record from tomorrow, like I was saying. And so, you know, that's where we add, you'll hear like vocal processing here and there and delay throws and the drums really, really came to life with Adam. And a lot of the intri- like intricate stuff you're talking about is, is really a mix between Brendan, Adam, and I.
0: Let's, i want to go back to the rock sound in a minute but there's another thing i want to touch on before we get too far ahead so you said you wrote more than 40 songs there's only 10 songs on the album what's going to happen to those other 30 songs as well as how did you pare it down to just those 10 that's pretty impressive
1: Man, it's the hardest thing to do ever it's the worst because you have such a connection and that's what i like now for the first time i have this crazy they're like each one is my child so it's like yeah. How do you pick, you know, out of 40 songs, it was around 40, I don't know, maybe more, maybe a little less, but how do you pick down to, down to 10 songs? And so it was, you know, it was a group, it was a group effort of like, I picked my favorite 20 and, you know, everyone, like my internal team, everyone picked their, their favorite 20. And then when it got down to like 12, 13, 14 songs, it's just, it, it really is. It's so hard. You have to really like when you get down to that. Maybe this album was supposed to be twelve songs. There's a couple songs that I that I'm gonna put on the next project. That that's where some songs will go. But it really comes down to like wanting to get a little bit of everything, right? So you know, I want a song that that hits this almost a little bit more country rock. I want to hit a song that is really just in your face powerful and has attitude we want to hit the more acoustic the more you know i want i want the feeling and the emotions to come through on this song it's a tough process but but some songs will make the next project most of them will never see the light of day It's just kind of the name of the game
0: so why why some of those won't see the light of day just not up to par or just not finished what do you think
1: you know but a lot of them are great songs and you always you know i'm always I'm always wanting to to bring them bring them into the mix on the next project, but you know you never know. I don't. I have no idea what the next project's gonna sound like or be yet. You know, maybe it's gonna be the next step of of this album, and and certain songs from the last one will completely fit, and the songwriting will be great, and we're just gonna produce it, and maybe it'll fit. Maybe the ne- the new direction's a little bit more. Maybe it's a little bit more rock. Maybe it's a little more this. Maybe it's a little more that, and that it won't it won't fit. So it all depends. I mean, it's. There's this thing in in songwriting that's like the curse of songwriting, which is that every every new song is always kind of the favorite. So it's hard to like have these ones and then write new ones and and want to replace the new ones with the old ones. It's it's funny. Well,
0: and it's always funny to hear like Neil Young or Paul McCartney say like their 2022 albums the best thing they've ever done. It's like, exactly. dude, you were in the Beatles. That's absolutely false. Like, come on, man. Exactly. Let's be real about that. Exactly. <laughs> Well, so I mean, really and truly, what you're saying though is these are going to be saved in the vault until your Garth Brooks level, and they're going to come out on your box set mm. in 20 years, and the people are going to all and o- ooh over these songs. That's what I'm hearing.
1: That might be part of the plan.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, so okay, so I want to talk about the rock sound that you've added that you have on this album. So it is a very anthemic sound. It's a very uh, stadium rock sound, and I want to get your thoughts. People say rock is dead. I just heard a great rock album by you. What are your thoughts? I think that –
1: I think by no means is rock dead. I think that what COVID did more than anything was excite people to want to see live music again. I think that really you don't know what you got until it's gone. And so when COVID hit and everyone wasn't going to concerts and wasn't seeing live music the way that they'd been seeing it, everyone just was craving live music and I think what happened coming out of COVID was you saw a lot of artists kind of lean into the punk thing right and and get that live sound with a little bit more punk kind of darker rock you know like just drums going fucking crazy and and you know Mm -hmm. dark guitars and it feel it felt live and so people really like it Mm -hmm. and I what I wanted to do with this music was just kind of take the next step of that it's like The classic rock side of it, the side of the that's that's the the Rolling Stones side, where it's just people want to come see a great, great show, great music that they can play any time of the day. So by no means do I think rock is dead. I think that we're in a world now where genres are so weird, and there's no like you can't say that one thing's rock and one thing's not. Like you go through a rock playlist on whatever Spotify, Apple Music, wherever Pandora. There's a lot of people who would say that's not rock, that's not rock, that's not rock but mm-hmm. it's hard to put anything in, in like genre boxes anymore. I just know that live music is everything to me and I think a lot of people feel that way when seeing shows and man, if, if if a live show's good and the music's good, that's all that matters to me.
0: I definitely pick up on what you're saying. like I, when I was listening to the album I was like this could this sounds like what I heard in high school, which was in the early 2000s like it sounded like it would have fit exactly alongside the songs I heard on the radio then. But yeah, I I do pick up like that, not, I I don't say this, like Machine Gun Kelly, like I kind of pick up that lineage of evolution in the songs, not comparing you to him, but just how he evolved the pop punk sound Mm. to what you're doing. And I kind of see that forward thinking and what you're talking about. So, I I mean, how much of that was present in your mind when you were writing these songs? Was it something that was like you were thinking about, it was conscious or it was just kind of naturally flowing out of how you write songs.
1: I think it came a lot from like inspiration and what I was listening to, like going into writing the album. I was in a, just a huge hole of classic, timeless, just great rock. You know, there was a lack of that from what I was hearing across, you know, modern music. And, you know, I get it. I understand that sometimes listening to older records for people is, is harder, right? Like they sound, there's a difference in clarity and, you know, sounds and drums and whatnot back then to now and so what i kind of wanted to do was write songs that were like that timeless songs i mean timeless timeless mm-hmm. songs that they have that i mean i, I keep using the rolling stones as an example because i'm a huge Mick Jagger fan but like mm-hmm. the, the the music at its bones is timeless and so how do i how do i try to write timeless rock songs like that but put a fresh modern kind of production element on it and that was kind of the thought throughout the process but that kind of came in more so when the, when the songs were already written.
0: It's yes, I realize I'm kind of asking the same question twice again, but you know, again, I heard the stadium rock sound to a lot of these songs. It and when I was listening, it kept making me think like these songs deserve to be played in arenas and bigger venues. Is that is was that intentional or is it just kind of aspirational? And what are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh probably a little bit of both, probably subconsciously intentional. Obviously, I want to mm-hmm. do this, you know for as many people and share share that moment with as many people as possible. I don't know, man. I just I, like, yeah, I guess it was kind of, it just kind of happens like that. You write songs and, and you know, my goals come out in the writing. And so I guess subconsciously it was probably intentional, but really for me, um, for me, it's this first project's just about getting on the road and playing it. And I kind of viewed with this new direction that I'm starting my career over in a cool way. And so, this first project is really to me i would love to play these songs in arenas and stadiums one day that would be you know that's of course the goal but really these songs were written to be played in clubs and and theaters and just having that face-to-face really really special energetic powerful those moments in a smaller venue that's that's what excites me really right now more than anything
0: well so talking about just your the refresh on your career What defines success for this new version of yourself?
1: What defines success for the new version of myself? Really, it's really shows. It really comes down to shows. Like, you know, before in in the pop side of things, it's all about, you know, it's streaming and it's numbers and it's this and it's that. And like, I get it, you know, it makes sense. That's that's how you, you know, that's how you stay relevant, right? And stay on the playlist and pop whatever. But for me, success really just comes down to how how large of a scale can I share a live show moment with you know how how many people can can I experience that with and I I really truly believe that we put on a fucking a damn good show and the music is is just the catapult to get us to the live show so if I can if I can start doing shows by myself across the country across the world that's that's all that's success to me
0: I want to talk about some of the songs specifically go into the tracks and get the stories behind them and get some, get some insider knowledge. So I want to start with the lead off single cinnamon Mm -hmm. has a ton of radio potential. In my opinion, it just sounds like perfect for the radio. Can you tell me, I mean, it's obviously about the muse of every great song out there. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about that one?
1: Yeah. So cinnamon, cinnamon was actually one of the last songs I wrote. I was missing a six, eight. So we wrote a, we wrote a waltz and, uh, I don't know. I, I really have a lot of love and and I grew up just loving and listening and playing and soloing over blues. You know, I've got a big love for Muddy Waters and like just there's just like there's something about cinnamon that feels very bluesy and sultry and just like it just feels hot. And when we were playing that song and playing those chords and just figuring like it wanted to be something that was like just cool and sexy and, and you know, the, that, that song came about really, really easy. It was just about basically being addicted to somebody who plays with your emotions and kind of drags you around, but you don't care because they're cinnamon, right? So mm-hmm. song special, man, that song definitely was one of my favorites from the album. I wanted to put that song out first because, you know, I hadn't released music in a year, two years, but with, with this transition happening on, you know, it was clear on, at least on socials that, that it, transition had happened and so i wanted to put a song out that was a little bit more of a statement you know at the same time it it is it is radio friendly right it feels like a song that could do well which is awesome and it kind of helps blend the the fan base i had with with what i'm doing now but yeah that song's special man that song just feels it feels correct
0: i noticed on your youtube you have a live version of the song and it has like a 8 minute long solo it's just crazy long incredible guitar solo did you withhold guitar solos from the album and just you're saving them for the live show what there's not as much guitar solo on the studio version as there is the live version it's
1: funny you say that because every song used to have a guitar solo and like after (laughs) every fucking one of them i swear and everyone was just it came down to like hey i love it but we can't put a guitar solo in every instead of a song (laughs) so yeah we ended up we ended up cutting a lot of guitar solos. A lot of them are still there. They're just shorter. Like Cinnamon has a really wicked guitar solo. They didn't tell me has one. The the Chase has one. There's there's solos in there. But I think what's really cool is, like I said, like the, that album is just to catapult and to be a vehicle to the live show. And mm-hmm. you know when you get to the live show and and I say I'm gonna play Cinnamon and people have this idea of how Cinnamon sounds and then. It breaks down to an eight-minute guitar solo, and it creates a moment that people remember and that feels different than what they could just go listen to. That's what it's about. I love that. I would rather someone want to come see a show to get, to get that than, you know, than have it on the record and be fulfilled, with, you know, not need to come see it live.
0: Well, so okay, so the next song I want to talk about—this is actually my favorite track on the album—is "Blame It on the Rain." Wow. Uh, I think this is this is the coolest one in my opinion. It has that early two thousands power ballad to it? Really dig it. Uh, so tell me about that one.
1: "Blame It on the Rain" is—it's an emotional song for me. That one came from a really personal place. Special song, man. Really special song. I think that the story of it really comes down to growing up with somebody who. You know, it was a really, really close friend of mine where you just kind of think you've got life kind of figured out and you kind of both have the same head on your shoulders. You both have this plan and I ended up kind of sticking to mine and, and I lost a friend down making decisions and doing things that, that kind of we had planned to avoid and, and instead of wanting to admit that and really kind of own that that was what was happening, I just I wanted to blame it on the rain. I wanted to blame it on a shitty day, you know, think that tomorrow could be different tomorrow. Could be better. And yeah, it just felt like every time that I'd look over at his path, we were just getting farther and farther apart. And so, yeah, I wrote that song about that. Just a special, real, real soulful from the heart song that I'm glad you, I'm glad you connect with.
0: I mean, have you played it live yet? Oh yeah. So when you play it live, do all those emotions kind of spur back up in you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I've, what do we we do like six or seven i think we did six shows in la just to kind of get our get our show figured out before we get out there and yeah there were definitely a multiple a couple of the nights i broke down definitely in, in that song it's
0: and it's a fantastic song uh, i'm glad you put it out there and shared it with the world dude it's a good one uh so you've got another single coming out before the album can you tell me about that one
1: yes this is a this is a fun a really cool fun song uh, fuck a broken heart. This is about, basically, I mean, kind of what it sounds like. The song is about having somebody in your life that you kind of have a connection with that has had a relationship with somebody else, and you guys have kind of been in my head waiting for the right time. And you know, their thing ends for whatever reason, and instead of wanting, instead of me wanting her to be sad about it, I just I was like, fuck a broken heart, like let's we finally can be together, kind of thing. And yeah, that that song's got got power, got angst. It's fun. That one's fun live too.
0: Is it, uh, is it the same muse as Cinnamon? Is it or a different muse?
1: Same muse. Same muse from Cinnamon
0: on that one. Man, I hope uh, I hope this individual got a, a credit in the in the in the, <laughs> the lyrics or something from you, man. Just
1: <laughs> just Dude, it's just awesome. Just fine.
0: Since we got a little bit of time, I want to ask about one more song. Tell me about the Chase. Ah. Great riff. Love that one. The
1: Chase is an interesting song for me because it is very single-ish. Like everyone loves mm-hmm. that song. To me, I love it. It as a single, it didn't really scream what I wanted my my self to be seen and heard as um, as a single. The chase was it's fucking cool. The chase we wrote and Brendan really brought that one to life. That bridge guitar solo moment is one of the coolest riffs I've heard in a while. That it's it's just so cool and it comes out of nowhere and it like I I was really excited when that when that kind of came to life because that song was missing that It, it it's a really good song I wrote that song specifically for almost like a a festival I had a festival in mind and I think like when you come when you look at the bpms of the song and the chorus like that one was made for people to be I chase. Do, 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 do. I it do, do. It's just like has that the correct tempo for people to be kind of nodding their heads and and jumping and enjoying a festival for. And so I hope I get to play a festival this summer and play that at it because that was kind of that's why I wrote that song.
0: You talked about it earlier, but how has your live show changed with these songs and with this new change in yourself? How is it? How is it different?
1: Oh my God! I feel like a different person up there. I I feel like for the first time really the live show is an expressive opportunity for me as before right the songs guided the show now it's the opposite where the show is just free the music allows it to be and and what i really am trying to do moving forward with with concerts and and each show is give every night something special that the night before didn't get to have and that the next one doesn't so that you create you know you create an environment where people don't want to miss out and people always want to come see the show when it's in town and the music really curates that ability for, for me and the band, and, and it's, it's really cool. Like The new show is, is free, it is expressive, and it just has more attitude than anything else I've ever done, and I love it. I mean, I, I lose my voice half the nights, I, my fingers are bleeding half the nights, like it, it's just, and I don't care, you know, it's, I just get to be expressive and I get to share that moment with everybody in there. And that's, that is something that, that I love and that I've never had before with the old stuff.
0: So when you play these shows, do you look back at that period, that dark period and say, thank God I didn't quit. Like it, it was so worth it to going through that to be where I'm at now.
1: Of course. And, and I'm a big fan of Kobe Bryant and quotes and with every great success is a huge struggle. And that was one, one of mm-hmm. the big things that he said. And, you know, I hadn't had that in my career and in my life before. And like, because the other stuff didn't work out and it put me in this place of just like really dark kind of self-sabotage, just a really dark place. That is what I got to overcome to kind of find the success that I'm at now. And it's not, again, what does success mean? It's not that I'm, it's not that I'm streaming 10 million streams and that I'm playing, you know, arenas, but, but I'm doing what I love and what I want to do for the first time. And, 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 I had to get through a lot of mud to get there. And yeah, like it, it, I'm so thankful for that time because I don't know if I would know who I was without it.
0: Last question. Yeah. What's on deck besides the new album this year? You got Best Mistake coming out February 24th. Mm-hmm. You're talking about doing some touring. What's coming up, man?
1: It's About shows. The, the album is, is coming out and it is about doing as many damn shows as I can do. I'm doing a small little, a little tour in February, which will be, you know, just, just us basically getting out there in small rooms to, to, to really just get our show dialed. Um, we're looking at a big, a big support role tour in the spring. And then I can't quite say it yet. Um, but, but a pretty big, pretty huge life changing opportunity tour for me in the summertime going to Europe. So I'm, it's just about shows, man. And then I want to come back. I want to do festivals. And I'd like to put an album out um, either at the end, of the end of this year or you know, maybe same time next year. But shows, it's all about the shows.
0: Dude, you're going to be busy, man. You're going to have a busy year. It's busy, busy, awesome.
1: Busy Gunner is a happy Gunner, though.
0: Well, hey, man, I appreciate you talking today. Seriously, great album. Way to go. I, I, I'm, really, I'm a fan of it. Good job, dude. Thanks for making a great album. I appreciate that. I really do. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. If you're feeling kind, give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com, and most importantly, take care of your shoes.